I would say that one of my um, great pet peeves is how we have often lost sight that the greatest work of the enemy is deception. And lies are at the core. It's the foundation of everything he does. And I think that gets lost many times in uh, the way that we talk about spiritual warfare today in many places. Welcome to the Stream Roots Podcast, where you'll learn how God's unchanging truth can be applied in our ever-changing world. Through conversations with pastors and ministry leaders, you'll be encouraged, equipped, and challenged in your walk with Christ. Stream Roots is designed for pastors and leaders in the church, but is helpful for all people. And now your host, Pastor Mark Pospisil. So glad to have you join us for this episode on spiritual warfare for the individual and the church. With me is my friend and the producer of Stream Roots, the John Blosser. John, welcome. Thanks, buddy. You okay? I'm great, man. All right. How's uh, everything going at the bakery? Everything's going good at the bakery. Good. It's good to hear that. Yeah. It's always great to spend time with you. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> Today, we have a special guest for this episode, Pastor Scott McDonald. He's formerly a missionary instructor and administrator. Scott serves as the Associate Professor of Theology with the Canadian Baptist Theological Seminary and College in Cochrane, Alberta. His research, interests, and expertise of studies are in issues that pertain to biblical demonology, global theology, Biancato, pneumatology, spiritual warfare, and multicultural communities. Scott, welcome to the show. Can you share a little bit about your family and ministry with us? Sure. I'm so happy to join us today. And I am married to Mikkel. We married just over 10 years ago. Um, we have four children, and we have been living here outside Calgary for about the last year. And honestly, our interests have to do with just training uh, Christian leaders for tough places. And so the Lord's kind of taken us all over the place to work with people, especially concerning demonology. Awesome. And we, we go way back. We went to Moody at the same time and I uh, have some mutual friends there. Uh, and so, so glad to have you joining us. I'm so happy to be here as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's jump into our discussion. Uh, we got a lot of work to do here. James chapter four, I'm going to read from God's word from James four, starting in verse one. And this is what God's word says. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire, do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or you do you suppose that is no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he's made to dwell within us? For he gives more grace. Therefore, it says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. The topic of spiritual warfare is often misunderstood. Whether it is sensationalized or dismissed, we rarely grasp how the Bible teaches it. Many times we rely on movies that we've watched or stories that we heard. 
The Lord wants us to grasp and understand and also be empowered and confident when it comes to spiritual warfare. This is why I invited Scott on the podcast to talk through these misunderstood and sometimes confusing issues. This will be a two-part discussion. Our first episode will focus on the individual, while our second episode will focus on the church's response. So let's jump into the discussion. Scott, as a Christian leader, how can we become, quote-unquote, conflict conscious, especially in our life, so that we are no longer vulnerable but wise to the enemy's schemes? Hmm. I, I think this starts with not necessarily being conflict conscious the way that we would think, uh, because I don't know about you, but whenever, you know, the topic of spiritual warfare comes up among pastors, it becomes kind of like a, a story swap fest. They'll tell me your story. I'll tell you mine, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's interesting because some Christians have incredible stories to tell, and it can kind of devolve into, well, that story was really interesting. Maybe that's what I should do. And it can kind of devolve to uh, the church leader did it this way and it worked. Or the Roman Catholics use these particular tools and that seemed to do well. Or from what I heard, demons don't like this or that. And our experiences kind of like to take the lead in this particular subject. Part of it is pretty straightforward. I mean, the Bible isn't really designed to be a demonology textbook. Um, generally speaking, the demonic and the spiritual realm in general tend to be at kind of in the background. And it's important for us to be aware of that. It adds color and texture to the overall narrative of the scripture. But it's, well, at the same time, we need to make sure that it is still seen as a background issue. That being said, it's not always a background issue in our experience in our Christian ministry. Sometimes it comes right to the forefront, and it kind of gets up in our business. And this kind of over-reliance on stories is also why sometimes people are quite skeptical. Um, there can be uh, – you can't scientifically prove that. Um, the And usually there's these stories that are given response, but they're really just anecdotes, and it doesn't seem to kind of – fully prove anything, and it leaves us kind of uncomfortable. Um, It would be, just as an aside, fair to say that demonic powers cannot be scientifically proven. We can't expect demonic powers to submit to a scientific empirical system of testing and peer review. Um, A system that is um, inherently built on the intake of physical information, the output of physical conclusions doesn't seem to be a good way to evaluate this whole subject as well. So I'll just throw that out there. So it is kind of understandable to rely on experience. Um, But I think as we start this particular subject, we have to say, well, what can we firmly stand on? Um, And I think sometimes it means that we have to kind of start over. When we're thinking about being conflict conscious, we have to be Start over. Don't just think about all the stories, all your experiences, but we have to think about, um, well, what does God reveal for us? To be conscious of the spiritual conflict that's going on around us and to be prepared for what we will face. And so we shouldn't assume that people who cast out a lot of demons are our best resources. Uh, We can't have a whatever works mentality. Uh, We have to grasp the scriptures Instead of letting our experiences lead, let's have the Bible lead, teaching us how to understand our experiences. 
Mm. Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah, if you read the Gospels, you see so much uh, confrontations that Jesus has with the uh, de- uh, demon-possessed. You know, obviously you had Legion and you had other ones, and they're going around, they're casting out demons all the time uh, in the book of Acts, you know. Um <laughs> Well, maybe not all the time, but it happens, right? And you have these, these, these sometimes these intimate encounters where you see them long, or it's more like they just they were casting out unclean spirits, and so you're conscious of it's around there. Now, I now in my ministry, I, I don't uh, do exorcisms weekly. You know what I mean? But uh, maybe I'll share it at some point. But we we don't want it too much on stories. But um, but you recommend yeah. you recommend starting with James four, what we read our discussion at the passage at the beginning of our discussion. For conflict-conscious journeys into spiritual warfare, why, why do you recommend James four for that? It's straightforward. I, I love James for that. I think that's one. Of, it's one, why it's one of the most beloved books in the Bible is because it's often straightforward. And um, James four, in particular, seems to lay out what is evident in other places, like the beginning of Ephesians chapter two. But it seems to be quite evident in James four that there's this broader battle that we are engaged in, this conflict that we can't escape. And many times we're just kind of rolling through it. We don't even really realize that there's conflict going on around us. Um, but he kind of brings it to the forefront here, because here is an, a church that is dealing with conflict, um, and he begins to point out exactly why. In verses 1 through 3, you, he's talking about quarrels. There's all these quarrels going on, and who or what is the blame? Well, he doesn't say an evil spirit of insubordination. Um, he doesn't say a demon of division. Uh, I don't know if your listeners ever watch YouTube videos, but, you know, people blame a lot of things on demons. But what's interesting is in verses 1 through 3, he says it's passions. It's your passions. These are inborn, simple desires spring forth from our corrupt nature. And... Uh, uncomfortably, James, James pins the blame on us for a lot of the problems that go on in our church. Um, and, I mean, it's not like James was the first one to do it. The book of Proverbs is full of, well, uh, James isn't really teaching us how to stave off the attacks of demons. <laughs> the book of Proverbs is teaching us, you know, how to make wise decisions and deal with our passions. And so here we've got this conflict with the deeds of the flesh, fruits of the, the fruit of the spirit. That kind of reminds us of Galatians five, and this is on a daily basis. I mean, when we wake up to do our quiet time in the morning, I mean, that's the first thing that we're facing every day is we're facing our flesh, our passions, our desires. Many times we wake up, we don't want to be reading our Bible, but uh, this is the first element and often the most prominent form of spiritual warfare and our experience. I don't know about you, but uh, I feel about it. Yeah. So you have the, the, the flesh, the passions of, you know, James starts with the passions, right? It's kind of like Ephesians two, mm-hmm. right? The flesh, the world, and the devil, right? And then he goes into the, the, what, what, what the world, right? Yeah, that's right. Verse four through five, he kind of just opens up a second front there where he's saying friendship with the world there. And again, we have to be careful whenever you read that word world in the new Testament, because it's really, it's, it's a very interesting term. It can mean different things in different contexts because uh, here it's giving that idea of a world system, like a world system of rebellion against God. And it's saying you are friends with the world. 
thereby you are accomplishing its purposes. When we act in our simple passions, we are forging an alliance, essentially, with the world against God. Um, and this isn't talking about, like, the physical dirt underneath of us. It's talking about this sinful system that saturates this world against God. And so, I mean, we can look at plenty of – I don't think we need a lot of evidence of this. We know that our cultures, our behaviors, our religions, even our um, – even our family background can sometimes inculcate just evil things. Even with some of the good things that come with our cultures and families, there can be evil things that are just kind of built into us. Um, one thing I always found very interesting in some countries is that there is a very strong culture of lending. Like if a family member comes to you and they say, I need some money, you have to give it in that particular culture. And it's, it's such a it's a warm thing. It's it's saying that family, even broader family, is valued above all else, even more than money. But what's also interesting is a lot of times in those cultures, there's a very strong culture of lending, but there's a very poor culture of repaying, <laughs> and uh, and it's kind of built into the culture. So that way, many families and broader families are hurt and divided because there has been much lending but no repay. Um, and so there can be these systems that are just built into the world around us that encourage rebellion against God. And then finally, I, I, I really appreciate you reading this all ahead of time, but you see that verses 6 or 8 kind of unmask our final opponent in the spiritual conflict that we're in. We, we see the enemy. We see Satan. Uh, in addition to our sinful passions and the patterns of this corrupt world. And sometimes people will use the uh, the old paradigm that he has three ways of working, possession, oppression, and affliction. Um, I, I would say that I'm not a huge fan of that uh, because possession many times in, implies ownership, and I'm not sure I'm ready to give that to the enemy when he's working in this world sometimes. Um, and oppression many times in the Bible can refer to a number of different things, not just simply a mental attack. Um, and so it's interesting. I would just say that when we're thinking about the enemy's work, um, they're not ultimately the owners of anything. Um, I like to think of Satan and his demons as, you know, squatters in this world, attempting to gain ownership, and then um, they inflict varying levels of, of difficulties upon the inhabited or upon others based upon their vulnerabilities. And obviously, we can get more into all that. I don't want to get too technical at this point. Yeah. So the, I, the idea of a squatter, I, I, came, uh, I use that as a sermon illustration all the time in my church um, from Ephesians chapter 4. You know, we're, yeah. uh, I think of it because in Detroit, there's a lot of squatters and, uh, you know, <laughs> it's like, be angry, do not sin, do not the sun go down your anger and give the devil no opportunity. You know, you, you, you're giving opportunity yeah. to squatter mm -hmm. goes to a place that's forgotten and yeah. you're right and trying to take ownership, but they don't and they just ruin it. And so you, you see that part of that, you know, submit yourself to God and that won't happen. You know what I mean? Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. So, so would you say, and I don't want to go ahead. I I don't want to minimize the difficulty of that arrangement. I mean, I grew up with a father who used to say the old proverb, you know, uh, 
possession is nine-tenths of the law. And there's that sense in which this can be very difficult if they're holding a particular ground, a squatter is in a particular area, it can be very difficult to deal with that particular squatter. Hmm. So, so would you say spiritual warfare isn't all about demons and exorcisms? Or is it all, or, or is that what it's all about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, in fact, that's, that's probably the greatest difficulty with this whole subject and why sometimes people don't even want to talk to me because they just think I'm going to talk about demons all the whole time. Um, it's like, no, 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 this is actually just a normal part of our conflict in this world. And exorcism in particular, which gets a lot of the press, is only a small portion of our struggle against Satan. Um, and our struggle against Satan is only a small portion of our spiritual war. So you get the idea and perspective there. But people tend to obsessively focus on exorcism because, well, in some places it's performed dramatically and publicly. Um, but I think the mistake would be to lose emphasis and sight of our own simple passions, the corrupt patterns of the world, and the other activities of Satan besides uh, demonization or sometimes called possession. Um, I would say that one of my um, great pet peeves is how we have often lost sight that the greatest work of the enemy is deception. And lies are at the core. It's the foundation of everything he does. And I think that gets lost many times in uh, the way that we talk about spiritual warfare today in many places. Hmm. I like how you said that. Yeah, 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 that's good. Here's the sum of my point here. God's people are in a spiritual battle as they work honestly in a business culture that is rife with corruption. Holy living, public witnessing, not the expelling of demons is the normal form of spiritual warfare. Uh, the man or woman who faithfully serves their family, refuses to take bribes at their job, corrects the sins of their children, rejects the evils of prosperity gospel and other things, um, cares for the poor and widow, supports the teaching of the scripture in the local church, trusts in Christ even during times of suffering, avoids any hint of sexual sin. These brothers and sisters are more engaged in spiritual warfare than the television famous exorcists. Um, one group in many cases is following Christ. The other is quite at home in this present world system and is making their buck off of it. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Okay, so so you want to be better prepared on, for spiritual warfare on all three levels, and you recommend that we ask ourselves some questions to evaluate if we are vulnerable before we think about helping others. Right? We got to first find if we're vulnerable in our own heart. What what are the questions you would like people to reflect on as individuals? You know, we're talking about you know pastors here are listening, ministry leaders, and how we can help our people and mm -hmm. also ourselves. You know, and we're as we're in the fight for, and we're in the battle for God's glory. So, what are those questions, and and you know, that, that help you reflect on yourself, your family, your relationships, your location, all of those things? Yeah, and I think asking questions of our own self is paramount. I mean, it is so easy many times for those of us who are familiar with the gospel, who are bold, but many times are. Many times we can be blind to our own vulnerabilities. And I, I say this, I, I especially say this to many people who have already engaged in various aspects of more public spiritual warfare. If we are effective exorcists, okay, 
against all odds, while we succumb to the world's ways and the battle in our own mind, we have lost the war. We have missed out. Um, we are doing more damage for the kingdom. doesn't matter how many demons are cast out. We are the false teacher that says, Lord, Lord, have I not done? Um, the reality is we need to make sure that we are not vulnerable, even as we are doing all these other types of deliverance ministry. So here's some questions that I, I kind of think about. I first think about questions to the self. Uh, think about questions to families, our families and our relationships that might make us vulnerable. And I also think about uh, questions about our locations, places that we go that can also make us vulnerable. And um, this is important not just for Christian leaders, but also just Christians in general. Um, so, for instance, do I fail to submit to the Lord every day through prayer, worship, and Bible study? Um, if those are things that I'm not doing regularly, how could I ever, how could I ever respond like Jesus to Satan when he comes to tempt him? Um, and so we need to think, well, there are steps that I can take here. I can pursue accountability without another believer concerning spiritual disciplines and become less vulnerable in that particular uh, situation. And again, we're not talking about being inhabited. We're talking about being deceived. We're talking about being tempted. We're talking about being accused. All those particular things are, I mean, in my book, Demonology for the Global Church, um, which is available on Amazon, um, it, I go into 10 different activities of demonic. And it's important that when we're thinking about these things, we, we can be vulnerable to many aspects of his ministry, of, I dare say, his ministry. <laughs> Um, so other questions I think about when I'm thinking about myself personally, or uh, one of the pastors who's listening, they're thinking about their vulnerabilities. Do I entertain sin in any way, even simply thinking about it in my mind? And that's referring to secret sins like greed, viewing pornography, harboring bitterness. Again, this is fairly obvious, I hope, but it should also create kind of expectation. If I'm engaging in these particular things, I have not made myself more, more. <laughs> I have not made myself more effective in the spiritual conflict, spiritual conflict going on around us. I've made myself more spiritually vulnerable. Um, and so I definitely encourage people when they're thinking about their own walk with the Lord. Look at Galatians five. Look at Colossians three. Read through those lists of sins prayerfully, and let just ask the Lord to bring to mind what things need to be dealt with. Um, and that can help deal with vulnerabilities. Other questions that I like to ask is, do I fail to do what God commands in evangelism, discipleship, and serving in my church? I will tell you, so many times I have people come to me and they say, I'm not sure about my salvation. I am really concerned that I am lost. I hear voices that accuse me that I am not saved, blah, 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 blah. What's very interesting in almost every single one of those cases that I have people that come to me and say that, I then, my first question is, how do you serve in your local church? And they say, I don't. And then I say, what are your spiritual gifts? I don't know. And it's very interesting that many times people lose, have lost their assurance or they've become vulnerable to these lies about their salvation because they haven't really pursued discipleship. They haven't pursued how they use their spiritual gifts and serving in their church and in the world around them. Um, so th that's another aspect of vulnerability I bring up many times. Uh, do I worship or reverence anything 
or anyone other than God? That's an idolatry question. Um, and I could go on with a number of these, uh, but that's kind of the point I wanted to make. Yeah, yeah, yeah those are good. Uh, John, what about you? Spiritual warfare. What are your thoughts on that? Our discussion here. I, I'm just taking it all in right now. Um, I haven't really <laughs> experienced any, any specific spiritual warfare. Um, I know that my wife's family had uh, when she was younger. But um, I grew up in, you know, like a Roman Catholic background. So everything that we learned about mm-hmm. in catechism and stuff like that, it was very much like the Exorcist movie. So, yeah, um, yeah, that's that's about all I have. <laughs> Your first experience of spiritual warfare as a Christian is when you got saved. Oh, there you go. Because you were blinded by the enemy. You believe the lies of the world. You've been inculcated into its world system, and somehow the Lord fought for you using a messenger who preached the gospel to set you free. And so at the get-go, every Christian who has truly been converted knows what spiritual warfare is. It's a question of how are we conscious to that's what's actually taking place. And when you are sharing the gospel with your friends, that is that spiritual conflict as well. Uh, when you're thinking about uh, rejecting a particular lie that's coming to you from your culture or from your or uh, attempt on your integrity as a Christian in a workplace, that's spiritual warfare as well. Um, these are all things that basically say, "Am I with the kingdom? Am I promoting the kingdom of God, or am I with this pattern of the world?" And so that's part of why I'm asking these questions is you've, I, I have more here. I can just keep going through them um, about questions that can kind of just reveal, am I, am I, am I with the kingdom or in the pattern of this world? Uh, for instance, questions that I often ask about family and relationships. Does my family have a history with uh, traditional ceremonies? Um, of other religious backgrounds? Does my family have certain sins which seem to persist from generation to generation? Uh, Often one that comes up is alcoholism. Um, And again, it doesn't have to be a demon of alcoholism. It is a sin that seems many times to be prevalent and is many times taught to children and their children and so forth. And that becomes an issue of spiritual conflict throughout that family and its history. Um, and these are the type of questions that we can continue to ask, kind of reveal, well, what's really going on? Where are the sources of spiritual conflict in my life? And what am I commonly engaging with? Other questions about locations. I just want to mention this just because sometimes we, this can be forgotten. Um, are there areas and locations that I visit regularly that inflame my desires. Like I get home and it's harder for me to pray. Or every time I go, I feel like that desire to do something wrong and I have to continually like recite scripture or something to get myself to not think about it. Um, are we being sensitive to those such things? Or am I viewing entertainment? Is it just when I sit in front of a TV or hold up my phone that I'm inflaming or empowering my flesh? Um, this can also include things like um, I mean, depending on people's backgrounds, they could be a part of a family where there's charms in their home or power objects or Ouija boards in their home. 
Those are things that can create vulnerabilities depending on one's location, not just one's actions. Hmm. Yeah, I like it. All right, so let me uh, ask this question. What's one thing that you would have us remember as we struggle with the enemy? If you can say, hey, there's one thing to get here for spiritual warfare. I want you to remember this. <laughs> what would you say? I'd say in our spiritual battle, never forget who the sovereign of the universe is, mm-hmm. especially as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, Satan might be called the God of this age. That's what he's called in Second Corinthians 4.4. 4. But the King Eternal is not threatened. Um, we have to remember God's omnipotence. is all He's all-powerful. We have to remember that in the midst of all this. The Lord sent the lying spirit upon the prophets in 1 Kings 22, verse 22 through 23. And it brought about the punishment and removal of, well, wicked King Ahab. That's a fun story to look at. The harmful spirit which tormented Saul in 1 Samuel 16. It says it was from the Lord. Or God used Satan's attacks in 2 Corinthians 12. Remember that when Paul's talking about how he had received this thorn in the flesh from a messenger of Satan. And it it brings about humility and grace in the ministry of Paul. Satan even had to ask permission to mess with Job. And uh, and the Lord sets limits there. I mean, they're a little bit, you, you wish they were a little bit more limiting when you're reading the story. I mean, all of his children die. But the point is the Lord does set limits. While we can't understand the depth of God's thoughts, Satan and the demonic host serve God's purposes. So even as we struggle against the powers, we can rely upon God's sovereign rule, trusting that he is accomplishing his purposes in this broken world. Mm. Well said. Amen to that. Praise God. So, uh, yeah, we're going to sign off here for part one and come back for part two to talk more about identifying, preventing, responding to demonic activity through right, the power of the Spirit. Greater is the one who's in us than the one who's in this world. And honoring God of that in our churches and what that looks like on the local church level and all these different aspects. So, Scott, I want to thank you for your time and insight here. Uh, and we're going to come back for part two. And so let me just sign off. Stream Roots is a production of Barnabas Ministries. You can learn more at barnabasministriesmi.org. If you find this podcast helpful, we encourage you to subscribe or leave a review or rate it. Maybe even tell a friend. It allows us to get God's word out to more and more people, and we would be grateful if you did. We release an episode every Monday morning, stream roots drawing deep from the living water of God's word.